Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor, Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com. We got FightfulBoxing.com as well. We are here on October 21st to talk about NWA 70th anniversary, my match ratings, results, podcast notes, all up on Fightful.com right now, as they are after Raw, SmackDown, every other show. We do live post-show podcasts on virtually everything little bit of everything. So make sure to go check us out. This show is brought to you ad-read-free by Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube. We have started a new YouTube channel for the Fightful brand. This will have only uh, MMA and boxing videos. Slowly, we will integrate those off of this channel, and this will be exclusively wrestling. Uh, We do reserve the right to change our mind, but we thought with MMA and boxing, really taking a center stage throughout the fall, especially quarter four in 2018. We should divide those up for you. I think uh, what makes us different also holds us back a little bit. So all that it takes to get those videos is clicking that subscribe button. Please head over right now. The link is in the description. If you're watching on YouTube right now, hit up that link in the description. Click that subscribe button. I would like to get us to 1,000 relatively soon. We're at uh, almost 12,000 here on the what will soon to be the wrestling channel uh, already. So hopefully we can get to 1,000 on there. That's a personal goal of mine. You can get James Lynch's interviews, my interviews, Carlos Toro's interviews, podcasts, social media videos, event footage, lots of neat stuff. I'm going to be going live on that MMA channel way more. I'll be going live on this channel way more as well. So please uh, click that link. No ad reads in the middle of this show. If you're on YouTube, you will still get an ad here and there, but not exactly something that we can help. But let's go ahead and talk about NWA 70th anniversary. I thought in the ring this was a solid show, but man, there were some real technical difficulties on this program that marred it. And it is their first effort, so you can kind of give them a little bit of leeway, but it it continued so far in that I, I questioned some of the the decision-making and the testing abilities. 
But the show started out with a wealth of these technical difficulties. The audio didn't play over the intro video, but Jim Cornette's mic was hot. And this was a theme of the show. Jim Cornette, throughout all this, he was a welcome voice and a familiar face. But man, did he bury an awful lot of stuff on this show. Including when his mic was hot and he said, Oh, this is a crapshoot. It's like, man, why, why would you even say that at all? Whether it be about the technical difficulties or in-ring. I don't know why you would go that route and say that. There we go. T- Tony Schiavone's audio was low as we, we kicked things off. Videos in the interviews for the first national title match had no audio. Jen Decker was backstage. Boy, We'll get to some of the hiring decisions made uh, throughout this, but no audio on the Jen Decker interviews. There was a major imbalance between the theme music and the commentary, and the theme music, I believe, was piped in. I can't say that for certain. I will try to find out, though. But outside of that, when we talk about the in-ring work, the in-ring work was solid, and the, the main event was just downright good. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about this show. We started off with the national title match tournament semifinals. Now, the way these semifinals were set up was that instead of a full tournament, you would go four, four-way four match in the semis, another four-way match in the semis. The two winners meet each other. I like that. It provided a contrast to everything else that was on the show because there were no other, there were no triple threat matches. There was one tag match. The rest were singles matches. So it needed that, that contrast. Cabana early on shows off his flying ability, but is quickly shown up by one Sammy Guevara. Shaw throws a bunch of fallaway slams, and Cabana bites Shaw's glove off and slaps everyone with it until Brian Hebner takes it and slaps him with it. This is the comedy relief of the show. Fair, fine, okay. Everybody teams up on Shaw but can't put him away. Uh, the crowd audio early was not picking up great, but you can hear them cheering heavily for a Sammy Guevara shooting star press to the outside. Looked like he had tweaked his ankle or his knee on that, but fortunately he was okay. Scorpio Sky hits a big flip to the outside, and Cabana tries to follow up, but gets tornado bombed off the second rope, and Cabana gets pinned right out of the gate. You could argue that Cabana, Second, third biggest star on this show. You could argue that he's a bigger star than Nick Aldis. Got pinned with the first person pinned on this show. So, (laughs) Shaw held the tights on this. So, maybe we'll see a follow-up, some sort of match out of that. But Cabana's out. If you thought Guevara was hurt for that first shooting star press, no. He was not. Because he went crazy, did a bunch of flips on the Shaw and Scorpio, but he stopped by a Sam Shaw super kick, which I think Shaw should probably abandon as his finish. Didn't look great sometimes. Fell down once. Guevara gets pinned after Scorpio Sky hits a shining wizard. But then Scorpio Sky gets super kicked and Shaw wins. Honestly, if I had my pick of everybody in this match, Shaw probably would have been my fourth pick to win. And that's not to say that's no slight on him. And I was okay with seeing how that that title match went, but he would have been my fourth selection. But you needed a strong heel here. We'll talk about why in a bit. But a solid opening match. You had a little bit of comedy. You had some fast-paced work. 
and you established a guy like Sam Shaw, who some of you may not know, but he is the voice behind the NWA 10 Pounds of Gold series, uh, the, the narrator in some of those early episodes, which we do review on FightfulSelect.com, our premium service, every Friday on the Weekender podcast. But Shaw, I think from a match in-ring perspective, I think that the other guys could have had more exciting matches. But then when the match happened, I saw why. It was the, it was the right call. It, even though he would have been my fourth pick, NWA made the right call. So there were more technical issues. The announce team kicked it back to Jen Decker and Blue Demon Jr., but we got a crowd shot instead. The announcers have to kill time and talk about their day. Eventually, Decker and Blue Demon Jr. just appear at ringside. They just show up there and do their do their interview. Good, good call because we knew the house mic worked there. However, there was no cue. And it seemed like there were no cues for the commentary team all throughout the night. And as a broadcaster, that's important. If I'm talking as somebody is coming out to the ring, I make eye contact with the guy like Rick Toms, who is the ring announcer, or the in-ring announcer, give a little nod. We know not to talk over them. They know not to talk over us. It is a signal there. That, that did not happen with Decker and this announce team. <clears throat> also, NWA needed a tighter shot on the announcers. You could see Jim Cornette's knees, and <laughs> I don't know who the commentator was. Uh, I'll, I had it listed in my notes, but you could see them just, just sitting there. It needed to be a little bit tighter. Or needed them standing up. Barrett Brown defeated the Laredo Kid. Laredo Kid should have won this match, but they worked really well together. Laredo did a big acai moonsault outside. The announcer goes to the school of Michael Coles. Every kick is a step up in Zaguri. I think he called three or four moves step up in Zaguri's in this. Not great. Barrett Brown does this awesome knee springboard somersault sent onto the outside of the ring that Jim Cornette buried a lot of the flips on this show. He was legitimately impressed with that. If you can impress Jim Cornette with your high-flying aerial ability, (laughs) that says something. I mean, this is the guy who still calls the Young Bucks at 190 pounds, which would put them in the second heaviest weight division in the UFC that would qualify them as light heavyweights. Anything above 185 is, and he acts like they're, they're middle schoolers. So Laredo kid goes for a Spanish fly, but gets flipped DDT instead. This spot was a little too cute for its own good. Didn't make any sense. It didn't look particularly great or convincing. You couldn't tell who got hit, who got hurt. Not, not a good spot. Laredo scores a nice flying head scissors, then a 450 to ringside. And this is where Cornette starts to go off. He's like, well, he crushed his own ribs. There's no give there. I don't know if it was a good call. And then Cornette goes off on this reverse spiked Rana from Barrett Brown. Calls it the dumbest move in wrestling. (laughs) He said, both guys are landing on their face. What's wrong with him? Lazy cover from Laredo after a nice springboard cutter gets kicked out of. And a knee to the face after all that gets the pin for Brown. If I'm Brown, I mean, I get it. You're you're establishing the the finish that you can use against everybody. But, man, I don't know if that was the the right call there. After all that, 
the, the springboard somersault senton, the Spanish fly into the DDT, the 450 ringside, the reverse spike grana, the springboard cutter, and just whomp, little shining wizard wins it. Not to say that the shining wizard isn't a great move, and it's not a, an effective move. It is, but hey. If you all are watching live on YouTube, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe. Join in on our live chats as well. Those are always rocking every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday afternoon. And listen, you boy, we got a lot of surprises set up for number 100 next month. So these two worked hard, had a good, fast-paced match, but Jim Cornette is not the person to have on commentary on this one. He tried to not hate it, but he couldn't. And from a from an announcer voice, man, Jim Cornette is great, but I really think that Shivani should have been on this show. He's working pretty regularly for MLW, so I think maybe that would have been the right call. But I understand why they had Cornette on there, but I think the role should have been reversed. I think Shivani probably should have been calling the entire show while Jim Cornette helped call the main event because that main event is more his style. Thanks to Nicholas for the... Uh, Super chat. Much appreciated. Magnum TA is interviewed before the national title tournament semifinals, and he still cuts a hell of a promo, man. Is it any surprise that he helped raise Tessa Blanchard? Because I don't think it is. He cuts a star promo today. So does she. Still major audio issues on this NWA show. This is where Cornette's call or caught uh, saying it's a crapshoot on a hot mic. Also, when Mike Perro comes out, so Cornette says, and I know he meant well, but he said, "If you have a problem with somebody being gay, why don't you tell this guy?" I'm like, Mike's a nice guy. Like I know it's not his wrestling gimmick, but Mike Perro is a nice guy. As ignorant as you may be, he's probably not going to beat the shit out of you for it. I don't know. <laughs> but Pero, I'm glad to see him on this card. He is very, very good, as many of you found out for the first time on this show. He is on MLW. Uh, but backstage, we see Jay Bradley, who is the former Ryan Braddock from WWE Developmental and Aiden O'Shea from TNA. He is interrupted by James Ellsworth who last Sunday was on Impact Bound for Glory. This past Tuesday was at SmackDown 1000. Did a backstage skip for them. Now there for the NWA. That's pretty impressive. James Ellsworth has been everywhere. I mean, everybody's working with this guy. But kudos to him because a couple years ago, I mean, two and a half years ago, rather, Man, he's not getting these opportunities. And he's a, he is a really good performer. So I think that's great that, that uh, he's getting some of these shots. Either way, uh, I was told, as I reported in the Fightful Wrestling Weekly, which drops every Friday morning, Fightful.com, about a thousand words worth of exclusives, behind-the-scenes news. The original plan, I was told, was for Ellsworth to face Joey Janela on this show. But Joey Janela's knee injury kind of kind of prevented that. And the irony is that Joey Janela, the rumor was that he was slated to be Eli Drake's mystery opponent at Bound for Glory, but Ellsworth ended up taking his place. Wild how that works. So these are elimination matches. Pero just effortlessly powerbombed Jay Bradley, who was 6'4", 240. 
Cornette then buries the ref for being out of position, uh, for the ref being out of position on the count on Paro when Starks rolls through and holds the tights. And this isn't me taking a shot at Cornette. That ref needed to be buried. There were a lot of refs that needed to be buried. Hey, here's the thing. Yeah, I don't know the hiring protocol for NWA refs, but I can tell you that on the independent circuit and in Impact Wrestling and in New Japan, there are not enough great refs in professional wrestling right now. Very few non-WWE shows go by where you don't see some ref screwing something up. New Japan, Ring of Honor, NWA, Impact Wrestling, Indie shows, doesn't matter. You always see some ref out of position, some ref trying to just steal the spotlight. You don't see enough really great refs. Now, the thing is, I don't know if there are a lot of great refs out there that are working their way up and and doing the damn thing. And I imagine that pay for refs is absolute shit. So from the outside looking in, I want to tell you, if you you want to get some bookings, just train, ply your trade as a ref, for the love of God. If you want to open up some doors and you're a pro wrestler, just get trained as a ref, too. Get trained as a ref and work your cardio up to where you can ref every single match in one night and do it without getting tired. Because, man, there are a lot of these shows that really, really need refs. Bradley tries to work a lot like Stan Hansen, which Cornette actually mentions. Bradley beats down Starks and Mack, including a running power slam on the former. Uh, even though Bradley gets pinned, this second fall is really a showcase for him in his hard-hitting style. Starks, who's much smaller than Paro, I mean like half the size of Paro, power bombs Bradley too, which was very impressive, and Mack wins with a frog splash. A Ricky Spar- or Stark spear almost gets the win, but then Mac hits this beautiful stunner that Stark sells like he is on pay-per-view, my friend. Willie Mac gets the win. Starks had come out and cut a promo on Cornette before this to establish himself. I don't know if this was done on the fly. It seems like something that was done on the fly because when you see the shot, it's all Starks' ass. But it was a way to establish him, and maybe he didn't. I I don't want to speculate about why he did that or why that was done, but there were technical issues leading up to that. Willie Mack gets the win, and they they focused one of the episodes of Ten Pounds of Gold on Willie Mack as he challenged Cody for the Ring of or the the NWA World Championship recently. So I thought it made a lot of sense after his great performance at Impact Bound for Glory, which impressed uh, Impact officials as I had in the weekly. Get that early at FightfulSelect.com. And his work has always been adored in Lucha Underground. But after the story that he told, and I thought that was one of the best episodes of 10 Pounds of Gold ever, made sense for him to win this and to be in the finals. Sam Shaw comes out and stares down Mac, which leads to Jen Decker, as these two guys are facing off, to say, can I get a face-off between you two? So they, they, they like take a half step closer to each other. Jay Bradley attacks Mac and... Ellsworth, of all people, makes the save. <laughs> it's like Bradley and Char are like, uh-uh. No, not if Ellsworth is out there. Oh, man, that's good. Maybe, maybe we'll see more of Mac and Ellsworth because that sounds like an entertaining combo. 
So up next, Tim Storm defeated Peter Avalon with Nico Marquez. This is turned into a kiss my foot match, which I think is great. It's such an easy, cheap, underused story or uh, underused stipulation. Not everybody's going to like it, but whatever. But Peter Avalon is the former Norv Furnham, who you may remember from the early days of EC3 and TNA. So the first guys EC3 feuded with was Norv Furnham as a jobber. He also had a match in December, I think it was, against Harper and Rowan. Worked PWG about 20 times before the Norv Furnham days. Has some great facial expressions. Has transformed his body since then. Grown his hair out. Has a mustache. I think his look is great. I think he is a good talent. He's entertaining. His timing is really good. He can work. He can bump. He can sell. He's in good shape. He is a really good act. He doesn't need a manager. Uh, That manager is essentially his heater. Speaking of his manager, Mark has 100% rated Bruce Tharp's closet. Tim Storm awkwardly comes out before his piped-in theme comes on. Check out uh, our search on our site, From Old to Gold. Uh, That was the long-form feature that I did last year about Tim Storm and how his episodes of 10 Pounds of Gold made me care about the NWA and that championship again. And I'm glad he got a match here. And for what this was, this was as good as it could have been. There was one bad spot in this. That's it. Avalon really transformed himself in his late 20s, and I thought that was great. This was all Tim Storm. He hits a big boot, a double underhook suplex, a, a release double underhook suplex as well. Does this nice choking backbreaker. Avalon really bumping his ass off for Storm. A power bomb follows. Avalon scores a jawbreaker and scampers uh, from the ring after eating a Samoan drop. Post Storm outside. Inside, Storm takes a flying body press really badly. Probably wouldn't trust Storm to back bump off of that again. He is like 50. Three fifty-four years old. It's uh, not good. Not good. Miscommunication from Avalon and Marquez leads to Tim Storm hitting the perfect storm for the win, which is essentially the boss man slam. And Avalon got up for this, guys. He he looked great doing this and made Tim Storm look great too. Just really, really good. Avalon makes his manager kiss the foot of Storm, but Storm is not satisfied and makes Avalon kiss his foot. Now, there have been rumors, like there are murmurs even, that Tim Storm may be hanging it up soon, and he is in his 50s, but he's on the best run of his career right now. The run of the last year is better than any of the times he held titles in NWA before that. So I would keep riding that wave. He is a guy that you can put first, second match of the show against really anybody, any heel, and make it work on these NWA shows. Why not? He's harmless. He can be the NWA's Jerry Lawler and keep working. Why not, man? Got a wider array of offense than than Jerry Lawler as well. Like There were some of these moves I was not expecting Tim Storm to pull out like the power bomb. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that at all. Oh, let me rave about jazz. All right, guys, I've interviewed hundreds of wrestlers, hundreds. And on top of that, I probably talked to 
the same. I probably talked to off the record the same number of wrestlers that I have on the record. Jazz is as real as it gets. And when I say that, I mean that outside of her portraying a character, she's incredibly sweet, incredibly nice, almost charming in how nervous she is sometimes, like when she's doing interviews. But when she talks in character, you know that's really her. The difference is when she switches from being a nice person, she just eliminates the filter. And she's like, I'm going to say exactly what's on my mind. I'm going to be completely transparent with my feelings and my emotions. Listen to my interview with Jazz. Straight up. I've said this on so many shows this week. She gave me the headline, I'm nothing to fuck with. And she's not. She's really, really not something to fuck with. And I got the feeling that she was winning this match as I interviewed her. And she takes herself very seriously. Not like, hey, I'm going to take go take liberties with people seriously, but takes herself very seriously and wants a legacy. I don't think she believes that, that ECW was her legacy. I don't think that Jazz thinks that WWE was her legacy. And she told me that she had to tone down her style in the ring to where other wrestlers wouldn't bitch about it. So when when you look at her experience, I, I don't think that she sees her her time in shine as her legacy. WSU, nope, that's not it. Her run on the Indies, no, that's not it. WEW, nope, nope. This is going to be her legacy, and that's what made me think she was going to win this match. Jazz doesn't wrestle a lot these days. And she told me that she was pretty well content with being a housewife, a mother, and going to work before Lagana and Corgan took over the NWA. And I thought this match was going to answer a lot of questions about her. Uh, it did not answer a lot of questions about the NWA decision-making and the production because there were more production errors as Jazz's video stopped playing. And then a bad Penelope Ford interview ran long. Penelope just... As impressive athletically as she is, she's got she's to turn the volume up on her character. I mean, the guy that she accompanies to the ring is the bad boy, Joey Janela. Like, he is, a, he is another one of those guys, really nice dude. But man, when, when it's time for him to play, not, not play wrestler, I don't want to say that. When it's time for him to be bad boy Joey Janela, that's just really who he is turned up. This interview runs long, and you see Decker like, wah. They should not have they should not have her back. No offense to her, but it just it, the work wasn't good. So Jazz has her arms look insane first off, but she intimidates Ford by getting in her face and landing some strikes. Production woes kind of continues. The wrestlers were wrestling back to the hard cam, and there's always the joke that that we make or that a lot of people make. Well, why does somebody go to NXT? Well, you learn where the cameras are. It is important. You need to work side to the camera. If you're working back to the camera, people can't see your face, and they probably can't see your opponent's face either. Instead, what they see is the back of your head and nothing of your opponent. So that's why you want to work sideways. So if I'm wrestling a match, I'm working this way. That way you can at least see my expression I can turn towards the camera, unleash an expression. 
if I'm working back to the camera, you all can't see anything. Frustrating. A springboard into the cutter gets two for Ford. Cornette then buries Ford for using a handspring back elbow in the corner. Says she did 17 flips. She didn't need to do that many flips. But also, Cornette didn't need to bury her as well. Uh, I could see very little of the offense in this match. Jazz hits the bitch clamp, which used to be the bitch lock, which was the glam slam and a leg drop for two. Uh, commentary said so-and-so had their bell rung four or five times during this say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That's really redundant. But let's talk about the the positive because there was quite a bit of it. Jazz's offense in this match. Wow. Jazz applied one of the filthiest, filthiest camel clutches I've ever seen, and then delivers these rabbit punches the back of the head. I mean, damn, they were good. Damn, they were violent. Just really wrenched Penelope Ford back on this, as she did with most of the submissions. After this, there's a good series of pen attempts after Penelope does the Matrix bend. The crowd gets rocking for it. They love it. And then Jazz does this deep seated power slam on Penelope, and it looks great. And then what happens? I know the people at ringside thought Penelope Ford was knocked out. Maybe she was supposed to kick out, but either way, Jazz was supposed to win this match. So here comes Earl Hebner. One, two. Then he does the stupid ass thing where he slides his hand underneath the shoulder of Penelope, but she doesn't fucking kick out, Earl. She doesn't kick out. So Jazz is looking at Hebner like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And Hebner's sitting there like, um. So either Ford got knocked out or Hebner's bad at his job. Either way, you count the three. Especially if you know Jazz is going to win. Especially. This was bad. This was real bad. That spot. But it gave us this insane STF from Jazz. Fantastic looking STF for Jazz that gets the tap. Jazz wins. 
She, from a present standpoint, from her offense selling, looked great. Her promo afterwards was real. She says she's tired of the men getting all the opportunities. <laughs> and how does she want to handle that? She wants to challenge the NWA world champion. A damn. That's pretty cool. If anybody could make me believe it, it's Jazz who I first watched wrestling men. Again, ref woes continue. Earl Hebner in particular, bad. Earl Hebner is not a good ref. He's not good at it. Time to move on past Earl Hebner. At 69 years old, that ain't him anymore. However, at 46 years old, Jazz is that woman. Jazz is the right woman to be NWA world champion right now. She is like like the reemergence that PCO is having on the independent circuit. That's what she's having right now. I would have rated this match higher, but Cornette burying it and Hebner screwing up the finish was really bad. I appreciate what NWA did by having familiar names and faces, refereeing, calling the action, but they actively screwed up spots and buried others. NWA National Championship Tournament Finals. Jeff Jarrett cuts a promo about the titles, title and its importance. Sam Shaw attacks Willie Mack and jumps him and then applies a nerve hold. And I'll be goddamned, man. I hate that move, but Sam Shaw and Willie Mack got this nerve hold over. In fact, they went to a sleeper right after that. Two of the most boring, boring moves ever, and they got them over. With the old raise their hand three times spot, where Willie Mack held it up, they got that over twice in the matter of a few, of a few minutes. That's not easy to do in 2018. Once, much less twice in that amount of time. Mac explodes with some great offense. Fires up, gets a spinning elbow, swinging body slam that really shows off his power because Sam Shaw is a big boy. Series of running elbows in that half cannonball. Standing moonsault gets two, and his kip up is always impressive. Shaw misses a, sun, a swanton and eats a stunner. Little things that I like about Sam Shaw. He sold the stunner, went into the ropes a little bit, but then sold back away from the ropes. That way he wouldn't be able to get a rope break because he wasn't supposed to. So what he did was sell out a little bit more. That way Willie Mack and himself didn't look good. Somebody says, "She's Jazz is excellent, but past her prime. Good first champ like Sumi Sakai in ROH, but won't last. They are ancient as well. Uh, Sumi Sakai's held that title for uh, what? Six, seven months now? Bad example. Jazz, first champ, held that title for two years now. Bad example. So back to the Shaw uh, Mac match. A Shaw super kick gets to. Matt comes back with another center that Shaw sold great. 
and a win for Willie Mack. That's great. Willie Mack, after the story that he told, the way that he told it on 10 Pounds of Gold, right guy. Right guy. He's been through so much. He's so charismatic. He's so good in the ring. Just really, really good. They NWA has found guys and girls that have stories. They just have really, really good stories. And have been able to turn them into better stories. That's not always easy to do. Sometimes WWE gets in their own way of telling good stories. And then building on them. NWA hasn't. So there was an open challenge. The War Kings, which is Crimson and Jax Dane. Jax Dane, a former NWA world champion. He was in ROH a little bit. Crimson was in Impact. They are with Road Warrior Animal, and they are painted up like Road Warriors. And the open challenge was to be accepted by the Kingdom of Josephus, which is comprised of two women. And Josephus comes out and cuts this promo that I didn't think was very good. Josephus's promo work translates really well when you're sitting in front of a camera. Like if he's doing what I'm doing right now, he would cut a captivating promo and really draw you in. However, in front of a live crowd, not so much. Didn't really work that great. He teases these two women that he has, including one from Glow, uh, the 80s Glow, are going to fight Jackson Crimson, and it's not good. But it's a swerve. Crazy Steve and Shannon Moore are challenging them, and better than the alternative, but this wasn't a great match. But I will say that Shannon Moore looks in great shape, and Crimson looks in great shape. Moore hits an acai moonsault on Dane outside, and they go into the guardrail. That was kind of a scary spot, man. I was worried that that Moore was going to be hurt. I thought he was going to, I think it's TK Orion, that got his leg just jacked up in Ring of Honor last year. I think he shattered his his shin. I, I, was, I was concerned that happened, but it didn't. Inside the ring, we see the uber-protected end of days, Baron Corbin's finish done by Crimson as a move to start the match. Crimson, Crimson counters a dropkick with a sky high. Dane tags in. and His ta- timing isn't great, but he hits a nice double Samoan drop. There is Josephus interference that stops the Doomsday device. Now, Steve is on Dane's shoulders. And how does Moore stop this? He dropkicks Dane anyway, which causes his partner to get slammed. That didn't make any sense, man. And Cornette pointed that out, thankfully. Like, there's some stuff that I that I wish that Cornette would have maybe not buried, but then there's stuff that I'm glad that he did because it just didn't make that didn't make any sense. Josephus just leaves for some reason. And ground zero for the War Kings wins it. The ground zero is a fireman's carry into a flapjack into a cutter. Very nice finish. I like it. It's a modified 3D, essentially. To the real story of this match, Jim Cornette hits the ring and talks to Road Warrior Animal. This is a little 280s, but I mean, considering the the demographic and the promotion, it's it's quite, quite all right, especially considering the announcement. Road Warrior Animal announces that they're bringing back the Crockett Cup in 2019. I think this is a great thing 
that they can now build to. And of course, they have tag team titles. No tag team champions, but they do have tag team titles. I think it would be good if in this Crockett Cup, because I don't know if it'll be eight teams, I don't know if it'll be 16. I'm not sure. But there was a team called the Heat Seekers who are four-time tag champions that you guys have never heard of. Sigmund and Elliot Russell. And they had their title stripped from them on September 30th of last year after Dave Lagana and Billy Corgan took over. Now, it makes sense that they would be stripped of the titles. Why wouldn't they be? Who the hell knows them? No offense. But I think it would be smart to put them in this Crockett Cup because I damn well believe that Dave Lagana can get a fantastic story out of these guys. They got the chip on their shoulder. They got stripped of their titles. Not just stripped of the titles. Titles that they held four times. Now, granted, they never had any great runs. They held it for 55 days and one day and 28 days and then 105 days. But they still the title stripped of them. Now, this is just me completely speculating, but you know you know, War Kings are going to be in there. I don't know if New Japan will work at all and allow any of these guys to work, but you've got Killer Elite Squad, they're former champions. You have Ten Cozy. That would be cool to see. But, I mean, there, there are some teams that you could... Homicide and Hernandez are former NWA tag team champions. I don't know what Chris Harris is doing these days, but America's Most Wanted, boy, that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Bringing them back for for this tournament because they were they were champions. I think that'd be kind of cool. Kid Cash, he's still working somewhere. He was a tag champion with Lance Hoyt back in the day. I want to see some of these old teams. Might be able to talk low-keyed Christopher Daniels, Triple X into it. Elix Skipper I don't think works anymore, but there are some options, and I'm sure they'll find some good people as well. I like this announcement. So Jen Decker is ringside again. She says, a man who needs no introduction, Rory Funk. That's Dory Funk. Junior. The second. Dory Funk calls Billy Corgan Billy Corbin. To be fair, Matt Riddle did on my podcast too, so whatever. Get rid of Decker. She doesn't fit here. Alicia Atout is probably more cost effective, I think. I'm sure. And she's great. I don't know where she's based out of right now, Canada or Florida, but. She's great, so. NWA World's title. Nick Aldis defeated Cody Rhodes with Brandy Rhodes to win the title. Easy match of the night. This was good stuff. Two out of three falls. And it was the right move. The video package's abrupt cut from the end to the announcers talking about it was rough. They needed a smoother transition. But they had a parade of champions that included Jarrett, Cabana, Jack Stane, Dory Funk, Tim Storm, Blue Demon. Camila Kane is out with Nick Aldis to even the odds. And she is very impressive looking. I don't mean like from a, like her face, even though it is. But she's nearly six feet tall. 
built great, looks very imposing. Uh, she's worked I th- uh, on record a few dozen times since last year. A former Platinum Pro Wrestling Diamonds Division Starlight Champion. Too many names in that title. She used the softball player gimmick. But the thing is, clearly Jim Cornette had no clue who she was. And unless he was brief before this, how the hell would he? The announcer saying, Camila is here! Could that be Camila? It is. Nobody knows who she is. All due respect to her. One day, if she keeps working, people probably will. Doesn't look like she has two left feet. Looks like she can do the job. Didn't do anything that looked bad in this match. But nobody. Nobody knew who she was. Brian Hebner's mic didn't work. Champions all kind of remained in the aisle. Crowd was great all night, even though they weren't mic'd great. Shivani joins commentary. There's some chain wrestling before Cody pays homage to his brother with a gold dust uppercut. Aldous lands a couple of German suplexes and a side slam on the apron. And then he baseball slides Cody off the apron. I thought that was cool. Aldous gets a two count uh, on a superplex. And this is after Cody had leapfrogged Aldous and got a two, two count of his own on a power slam and a disaster kick. But Cody goes in the figure four and he sets it up without the spinning toe hold, which I kind of like. He just puts his foot in, applies it, or figure fours the leg and sits back. It's kind of nice. It's very old school. Moog gets a big pop. Aldous turns it over. Then Aldous gets to the ropes. Cody gets caught air, caught midair on a disaster kick, and Aldous applies his cloverleaf for the win. They have really established Aldous's cloverleaf as a real finish over the last few months. That's something that people will look out for now because between these two matches, they have established it, and that's good because they didn't really establish it before that. Cody does a tap really, really quick. And I loved how they told this story. Between the body language in the ring to commentary, all the commentators told this story. Cody tapped immediately because he knew he couldn't get to the ropes. He knew he had another shot. And he was preserving himself. And it was told in the body language in the ring as well. Cody pops right up. Aldous is selling in the corner. So Cody's got to wait out that time and goes right after Aldous. Brilliant storytelling. Hits Aldous with a suicide dive. They brawl outside the ring and over to the production area. Earl Hebner says he's letting him play. Now here's the thing. This was made a two out of three falls match. Because Hebner let them play a little too much in the last match with Brandy getting involved and essentially the foreign objects and not counting anybody out. So that didn't necessarily make too much sense unless you're setting up a Hebner to be criticized again. I don't know. Cody hit Aldous with a plastic trash can and trash went everywhere. And then they brawl into the concessions area. And while Cody's selling, he's next to the fountain and fills up a beverage and hits Aldous with it. I love that spot. Cody sets up a table in the corner of the ring. Tim Storm isn't happy about it and Cody decks him. Aldous kicks Cody right in the penis. It's a DDT. It's good for a two count. 
Brandy hits the ring and Camila comes in. This is smoke and mirrors to lead to Aldis hitting a pump handle power slam. Much like Tim Storm earlier in the night, he was really busting out a lot in his offense, in his playbook. Aldis crash and burns at ringside through a table. I mean, he went knee first through a table, off the top, through it. Nasty. Cody got a pinfall after a crossroads. We've got this is awesome chance. And as Aldis gets back up, Cody hits the bionic elbow. Crowd was just rocking. Brandy and Camila get into it at ringside. And I thought the focus was on them a little too much throughout this match. I'm talking like three or four times. You got to have them do a match at some point. But I wonder like who leads that match because they're both pretty green. Brian Hebner kicks everybody out. The distraction sets up Aldis doing a terrible crossroads. He doesn't win. And then Rhodes steals Aldis's cloverleaf but can't win either. Production misses the impact on Aldis' tombstone, but his flying elbow drop doesn't get a three. Cody fires back, low-impact Rainmaker for the near fall. And Cody gets turned inside out with a violent clothesline. Aldis grabs at Cody's leg, yanks the boot off, a la Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero at WrestleMania 20. Gets small package. However, he turns the tides and gets the win. Nick Aldis now a two-time NWA World's Champion. Kind of saw it coming. I thought that the Cody thing would be just a moment. Who knows? But if it was just a moment, boy, did it get a whole lot of eyeballs on this title, this entity. I can't call it a promotion. This entity. It did great. Cody Rhodes has the shortest title reign since Colt Cabana's 2011 reign of 48 days. Kind of surprising. But Cody Rhodes is another name to add to that list. This match was very good. I really enjoyed it. They knew that in today's environment what they had to do to get reactions, and they did it. Thought this was just well, it was put together well. There were some spots I would have pulled from this match, like some of the distraction spots, but maybe they're setting up for a Brandy versus Camila match. And hey, if you're trying to establish characters and try to build people, fine. Now the question has to be, who's next? Who's next? Well, if you look at things, Barrett Brown got a win on this show. I don't think he's next. Sam Shaw got a big win on this show. However, he just lost. Would it make sense to give him a a world's title shot after just losing in the national tournament match? No. That's why it also wouldn't make sense for Sammy Scott or Scorpio Sky, Guevara, Cabana, Starks, Bradley, Pero. Wouldn't make sense for any of them. Willie Mack just won the title, the national title, but would it make sense? for him to go after the world's title and then probably lose? Well, that makes your national title mean a little bit less, I think. Tim Storm? Maybe. I could have seen Peter Avalon, depending on if Aldis is a babyface or a heel. Jazz is a good bet. She went out there. She made her presence known. And let's not act like Jazz is... Like any stranger to facing men, she's not. First time I ever saw Jazz, she was in ECW Wrestling Men. Wrestled men for a long time. Maybe not nearly as much 
as in recent years. I mean, I know she did it Chikara way back. But, I mean, there was nothing tonight that made me think that her work now isn't as good, if not better, than any time she was in the WWF or WWE, either one, or ECW for that matter. She's she's worked all kinds of men. Simon Diamond, Rhino, Kid Cash, Nova, all the dups back then. I mean, she she was practically on on the circuit with them. Jason Knight all the time. DeVito, she worked a lot of dudes. Now, do you want to go there? I don't know. I don't know. Can you go there right now? Well, it depends on what you have next for Jazz as well. But now I like that you can say Cody Rhodes, the former NWA champion. Because, you know, so often they go Jack Briscoe, Giant Baba, Dory Funk, Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Kerry Von Erich, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, all those guys. You know, you can go, now you can say AJ Styles, Jeff Jarrett, Christian, Cole Cabana, Cody Rhodes. You can say some of those new names. Are they as big as the old ones? No, but they're good ones. In the ring, I got to say the show is pretty solid. They have a lot of production to work on, a lot. And I'm hoping to talk to people who are involved in the show about some of that. And see, the thing is, the, the most heartbreaking thing is, if that production would have went well, I think it would have added a lot more to this show because they are so good at making you care about people with this NWA 10 pounds of gold thing. I mean, that's what led to the demand for us to cover 10 pounds of gold every week on the FightfulSelect.com Weekender podcast. People want to hear about it. They want to hear about what's on being the elite. All us, all all that stuff that, that they, they ran, people want to hear about it because they're very good at making you care. Somebody mentions the franchise. Shane Douglas is one of those names. I don't think they'll they'll really mention the guy who threw the title in the trash. Eh. Guys, I want to thank you all so much for joining me. Again, this show is brought to you ad-read-free by Fightful MMA and Boxing on YouTube. Please subscribe to our new Fightful MMA and Boxing channel. I'm doing this so I can bring you all more content uh, because I'm going live a lot more on this channel and a lot more on that channel. So what I didn't want to do is go live a bunch with both MMA, boxing, or all three, pro wrestling, boxing, and MMA, then have four interviews posted, then have two wrestling interviews posted, then a podcast, then this. I didn't want to clog up your feeds essentially so I started a new Fightful MMA and Boxing channel. Uh, we will have that custom URL as soon as we're able. But uh, for monetization purposes, want to get to 1,000 subscribers. The, the, YouTube, uh, border, or the YouTube mandates now. So help us get there. The link is in the description below. It would mean a ton. If you all would go subscribe there, uh, you'll see a lot of videos that I posted today interviews we're going to do social media posts all that good stuff i've given carlos toro the green light to go live with news and i will be doing that a lot more my uh, great news team 
David Tease, Andrew Thompson, Jason Lambert. They are they have or Jeremy Lambert rather, Jason Lambert. I was thinking of the MMA fighter. They've given me the ability to go live more because they stay on top of the news cycle so much. So that channel is a must subscribe. Thank you guys so much. Let me know what you thought of NWA match by match in the comments. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. I would be remiss if I didn't also shout out uh, Adam Rotella on Twitter. I've not spoken to him in a while, but man, if you're into NWA, he is a guy that you should be checking out. He has some really, really great content. And uh, I would I would really recommend him. Adam underscore Rotella. If you head over to my Twitter at Sean Ross Sapp, you will see his uh, live stream actually uh, retweeted. And uh, he's a guy I would like to get on the show to talk NWA sometime. But thank you guys so much. Thumbs up, subscribe. Join us for Raw. We're out. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.